listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Evie. We've got Isaac in our headphones yet again, keeping us honest and factual as he always does. And we've got a special episode this week. We've got an interview with conspiracy theorist extraordinaire Cam Smith coming up a little later on. He's like conspiracy theorist expert. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think he's a conspiracy theorist so much as he keeps an eye on that. You know what? You did the interview. You can leave. (laughs) I have some views on Cam Smith that I didn't before. I reckon he's running a global conspiracy where he's just getting them all together and getting a whole bunch of people on board. And he's like, look at these loons. Look at these loons. You know who has the truth? (laughs) Me. (laughs) And we've brought him on to spread that truth today. (laughs) (laughs) It was a really fun interview. He was um, part of bringing Bunnings Karen to light, so to speak. Essentially, his entire Twitter feed is just the craziest of sovereign citizens, QAnon conspiracy theorists, flat earthers. Uh, He puts them all together, puts out these incredible videos. Uh, I mean, he just shows the videos of these people talking random nonsense. Um, He's got a couple of really cool podcasts about it as well. We get into it in an interview. It's very, very good. But It's just very important to remember that none of them actually have him in the video (laughs) he's not in any of the videos the poor dude um but we've also just got a whole bunch of good news this week yeah i thought that last week we were like a little bit too doomerist and so i was like all right world only good news this week (laughs) and the world has complied yeah i mean we'll get into it in a little bit but just generally speaking i mean obviously a whole bunch of fuck shit has still happened that's not changed but it's it it seems rare when we're putting the doc together for this week to be like, oh, that was actually, that's really good. Yeah, chuck it up the top. Holy shit, that was good too. And we, we just got like a page and a half. We're like, oh my God, shit has ruled this week. This is great. <laughs> well, let's talk about it. It's, let's talk about good news. Preliminary data suggests that the stage three lockdown in Victoria has been effective at reducing the infection rate. It's good news. It's like for all the mistakes and stuff that that have been going in, the infection rate before lockdown was 1.75 and afterwards it's gone down to like 1.16. And if we get it below one, then we're set. That's like contained. So Mm -hmm. what are those, what are those numbers? What do those numbers mean? That's the R value, I believe. Um, And that's just basically if you have the coronavirus, this is how many people you're expected to infect. So anything above one means you're infecting more people. Um, if it's one, it means everyone with coronavirus infects one more person, and that means the the level of cases stays the same. If it's below one, it means you will infect maybe half a person on average, which is a fifty percent chance of infecting one person. Exactly, on and so and <laughs> or so just the in, amount or, just so the amount of virus in the population like. decreases. It's a really big deal. Um, that number. So this is the element. Let, let when Mitch make his joke like, though. He wants to say oh, that you're infecting someone's legs or something. Oh, yeah, sorry, Mitch. I talked over you. I assumed it was some uh, ridiculous uh, non-science thing. He was just going to talk about what? heavy metal or something. <laughs> <laughs> the new, the new Harkin album's real good. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, no, this is like this is the thing that got me looking at the numbers every week and there's like sort of number fatigue and it was also jumping around so much. Mm. One week it was like around 250 and then the next day it was like 700. It's like, Mm. I can't make any sense of this. We went into lockdown again and I just stopped fucking looking at the numbers. I don't care. I needed to sort of detach. But a, a, a thing to remember is that we went from single digits to double digits, to double digits, to triple yeah. digits, and we were watching it go up exponentially, and that was fucking terrifying. But then over the space of a fortnight, it genuinely did, I mean, it, it seems weird to say, it genuinely did peter out around mm-hmm. the high hundreds, which it, which which seems terrifying in the moment, but you get a little bit of distance from it, and you're like, oh, yeah, that means that, it. I mean, it's still high, but we were arresting it at least. Yeah. yeah, when you're dealing yeah. with a virus that has the potential for exponential growth, maintaining a plateau is actually really fucking good. Um, that is, yeah. like, obviously it's not as good as wiping it out, but a plateau is amazing because America right now is struggling to plateau at, like, hundreds of thousands. And so, yeah, we're, we're pretty good to plateau at a couple hundred. Yeah, that is just, like, obviously... 700 cases a day is still bad, especially because the virus itself is horrible. But like, yeah, so this this research that's come out from the Bernard Institute um, predicted that if we'd stayed on the same course that we were before the lockdown, there would have been about 27,000 new positive cases mm. by this time. So 700 a day, that's terrifying. <clears throat> 27,000 people with the virus, that's, that's <laughs> way, way worse. Oh my God. So yeah, yeah nice news about that. Um, I, I don't really look at the numbers day to day because... 
You can't I've say, stopped. oh, it was 400 yesterday, it's 700 today. It's meaningless until you've got enough time to get an average. Just because it's like, you know, yeah. especially now in containment, uh, unless you understand the specifics of the context of where those cases are happening or anything like that, the magic number just is just designed to freak you out at that point. Yeah. It's I easier look not at to the look magic at number every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think and I'm stronger for it. <laughs> Fortified by the magic number. <laughs> it's very much a case of, you know, if we're looking at the difference between double and triple digits, okay, that's yeah. bad. But yeah, like Lang said, at this point, like it jumps around so fucking much and we, it, it, context is super important. Where are those cases happening? They're happening in fucking aged care facilities and security mm. outbreaks and quarantine and whatnot like Insecure that's your work and- yeah exactly yeah. exactly there's a lot of noise but so there's also been some interesting um research coming out i think primarily britain but some meta-analysis mm. um that shows that overall mental health of people in lockdown improves once mm. they're in lockdown it's good news. now that mm. seems like a fairly contentious thing to say especially if you are one of those flesh eaters that works at the ipa <laughs> but the but- economy <laughs> <laughs> but i mean at least Anecdotally, for me, I definitely know where that's sort of coming from in that once you have a lockdown, you have a sense of sort of security and of knowing where you're at, what you're supposed to be doing, and also that everyone else is involved with it as well. Mm. Um, I do just want to flag here right now, though, that this is, even if this is this study bears out to be totally correct, it is only the aggregate. If you feel fucking shithouse in lockdown, oh, yeah. that's fine as well. You're allowed to be. <laughs> no one knows what to do at the moment. It's still like a subset of people, of like, you know, those who are able to work from home and who have secure work and that sort of thing as well. Yeah. It's the fact that the study is just on the sort of the fact of lockdown, yeah. absent the sort of problems that arise from society collapsing. So it's like, look, the lockdown on average is good for your mental health, but sort of having childcare suddenly stripped away is really bad for your mental health or having terribly insecure yeah. work is, is bad for your mental health. And so the fact that those issues have been exacerbated by the same thing that has caused the lockdown, that is, you know, if, you, if you're in both of those buckets, you're probably feeling really shit because you've got like no childcare or you've got like the bad work situation. But just the the fact of the lockdown is the, is the thing that on average is like, mm. yeah, it, it makes people yeah. feel a bit better. It's um, a nuanced thing where I think about like how great it is. Like I'm one of those lucky people who gets to work from home. Um, during the lockdown and I benefited so much from not having a commute, um, having time to like cook and uh, like, you know, watch TV and read books and that sort of thing. And that's definitely contributed a positive to my mental health. And yes, it's still okay to acknowledge at the same time, man, it fucking sucks not to be able to go out and see your friends and get the benefit of just socializing as well. I think it's beyond even the the sort of like, oh, I have more free time, which is that's that's kind of true for me as well. But I think it's just like it's terrifying to watch the virus spread unchecked and having a lockdown instituted is like th- there's something being done. And that like that yeah. seeing the R number drop from 1.75 to 1.16, that's pretty good for my mental health. Yeah, I yeah feel, that- you feel like the government actually cares about you and wants to look after you and make sure you don't get sick. Yeah, that's the key thing here is this isn't just looking at the effects of a lockdown in isolation, which obviously are much worse than a society that's not in lockdown. It's looking at a lockdown as a response to the pandemic. Um, if you're in a pandemic situation and there is no lockdown, people's mental health is worse than if there is a lockdown. Um, and this is because of a thing I've talked about before, which is this cognitive dissonance between the state of the world and the way people are reacting to it. Um, it's why people report like... You know, the, the, the blitz spirit, World War II, everyone banding together, you know, helping each other out, rations, bomb shelters. People didn't come out of that with really, really bad mental health on the whole because there was a sense of community spirit of everyone pitching in, even yeah. though there was rationing, children being sent away to the countryside, you know, having to black out your houses because they felt like, well, obviously this is what we have to do. Um, if you don't have a lockdown, and that's what we're seeing in parts of America where they're having people having to go to schools or they're like fucking about with the elections or they're just blatantly being lied to in this vain attempt to keep the economy open. That ruins your mental health because you go, mm. wow, they don't care if I live or die. Obviously, this is this, the same thing that you get with things like um, Black Lives Matter and climate change. When you see the problem, but everyone in authority ignores the problem, that 
is is the problem. Yeah, the ways to get some stability in your life are either to see it a lockdown affecting you and your neighbours and your family, or to just glom on to a whole bunch of crazy conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah, you got to um, feel like the problem is being dealt with. Yeah. In other good news, a former Liberal MP has just gone on a public blaze against Tony Abbott, just essentially saying he fucked it, and it doesn't even matter what it's about. That's real good. I just like that in general. It's good news. The details, though, are that our former Liberal MP Conchetta Ferravanti-Wells made a submission to the Aged Care Royal Commission, basically saying Tony Abbott fucked it. Mm. The the quote here is, Prime Minister Abbott and those advising him in the coalition failed in their promise to reform aged care and simply opted for a shift that had no demonstrable positive outcome for the well-being of our older Australians. Rather, all it did was suck up valuable resources that ought to have been better utilised in frontline aged care services rather than this futile bureaucratic exercise. So not- Go off. (laughs) Go off as much as someone giving a statement to the Royal Commission can go off. (laughs) You've got to read between the lines to hear that, oh, he fucked it. I'm still not going to have solidarity with, like, a former Liberal MP. Sorry, I just Oh, no, no. Conchetta doesn't get fucking dirty solidarity from us. She, This is the bare minimum to make sure she doesn't end up in eternity in hell. But you know what? Good first baby steps, I reckon. you got to got to go a lot further to end that solidarity. But, I mean, this this does point to the a, a broader point about how people are now, like, debating, like, does Dan Andrews have some culpability in the aged care sector? What could Morrison have done? Like, it, those types of conversations are fucking useless if you're going to black out history as if it started six months ago. Like, this is fucking Tony Abbott's fault in large part. Well, this yeah. is Howard's fault in large part. It's you can Kerry trace Bart's it all the way Bronnie's back. It's whole fault anyway, so... What's uh, who's that? That reference? That? <laughs> I don't understand <laughs> that at all. Deep Bronwyn cut Bishop. Bronwyn uh, Bishop. She's Carabath oh, Ronnie. What's Carabath? Oh, what? okay. So um, around the time that she was aged care minister, uh, they found out that in aged care homes they were bathing pensioners in kerosene. What the fuck? Oh, fuck, <laughs> that's right. Money. Yeah, yeah. That's oh like a God. deep cut. <laughs> oh, Carabath Bronnie. Fuck, yeah. that's dark. I thought you were saying Carabath, like some sort of like you know that fake shit chocolate. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, she's a piece of shit, and it was also her fault. And like, yes, this can be tra- traced back to other people, and they shouldn't be let off the hook. They shouldn't be rehabilitated in fucking public life. Like, so look, good on uh, Conchetta for coming out and saying this. I guess, but as we know, fucking royal commissions don't tend to have teeth in this fucking country. Yeah, I think this one's like a bit about the narrative where, you know, we've got the federal government for whom aged care is their responsibility, still trying yep. to blame Daniel Andrews for like the the fact that the outbreak was mostly centered around aged care when it it's pretty clear that the aged care problem is Entirely a problem that they have government. been turning into a problem since the people who are currently in aged care were my age. Mm, like, yeah. <laughs> this is a long-term project for the Liberal Party and they've done really well. And now they're just like, oh, Dan Andrews bloody did it. On, on that, like, uh, quarantine is a federal issue. Pretty much yeah. every major fuck-up of this entire pandemic has been a federal problem. Dan Andrews just happens to be holding the, uh, the mop at the so- end. Just on this, there is, um, I know we talked about we're going to mainly focus on good news, but you know what? The world's on fire. Fuck up. Um, <laughs> it's there, good news. It's news. There has been, <laughs> there has been some uh, allegations flying around that it is a pretty well-known secret amongst the like um, federal government, amongst the Canberra Press Gallery, amongst journalists around the place, that uh, senior members of the uh, the federal Liberal Party, are encouraging journalists to hang shit on Dan Andrews and to force his hand on stuff and to try to, like, you know, um, essentially- Really hassle him about the quarantine guard. Yeah, and make it look like it's his home, it's his um, fault. Which, like, first off, if you're a journalist and you're even in a position where a politician thinks that they can ask you to do stuff like that, you're done fucked up, you should quit. You're disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. You're a leech- on the underside of the of Australia's fourth wall. You're a termite in Australia's fourth wall. Um, no, what is it? The fourth pillar? Who gives it? Fuck them. Anyway. Yeah. But. And you smell bad. Yeah. <laughs> but there's just this, like, this. the other part of it is that Scott Morrison is essentially saying all other um, people in his party and as many journalists as possible, you go after Dan Andrews and I'm going to sit back here and play good cop. Which 
is the most obvious thing. I'm sure I've mentioned that on the pod before, but it's, really but it's so fucking obvious. Mm. It's really obvious. And also, like, it's just that he has a grudge that um, Victoria managed to fix it really quickly. And he, I think uh, he'll never, yeah, originally, of course. And he'll never, and he'll never stop being bitter about it. And so the fuck up on his end in that quarantine should have been a federal issue. He is keen as beans to pin that solely on Victoria for having the leftist response Mm. as opposed to he fucked up and should have had like a proper quarantine nationwide free for everyone in the first place. Yeah. Sorry, fourth estate. Mm. Very important. <laughs> um, in terms and- of the blame game, there was a there was a tweet going around that I, I've just pulled it up now by uh, this guy Thomas Wynn, who points out um, when National Cabinet established the hotel quarantine program, the Vic government mobilised security contracts within 24 hours. Obviously, obviously the security contracts that they mobilised were oh, eventually responsible for an outbreak, right? Which is what Dan Andrews is copying some pressure from. So Vic government mobilised security contracts within 24 hours, exempting them from a tender process because of the urgency. Mm. They chose from the firms tendered by Scott Morrison. Yeah. He tendered the team that bungled the hotel security. <laughs> yeah, Daniel Andrews just followed the blueprint oh the federal government recommended. Fuck, I didn't know that. So Scott I, I, Morrison. Yeah, I only learned of it yesterday as well, but it's just like Scott Morrison like, Dan Andrews, you fuck what you hired the worst security guards. This is on you. And Dan Andrews is like, I hired the ones that you suggested. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not even to mention that other states like Western Australia didn't even have hotel quarantine guards and things like oh, that. Like I didn't Daniel even Andrews know that. went slightly further than other places. Um, he just got unlucky. And this is like, you know, we had this whole Ruby Princess thing, which Dutton is just refusing to answer questions on. Have we talked about that? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's no. just disappeared. From, <laughs> it's, it's good news week. Dutton continues to yeah. refuse to answer questions, but yeah. <laughs> but Dutton basically said, I will not have... What was... We should find oh, a quote, I will not actually. have the agents of the... Uh, like, disparaged. Force, like, their honour impugned by some, like, commission. Hang on. Do we have... Do we have... Here we go. Okay. I've got it. It was besmirched. <laughs> Fucking hell. So, the whole Ruby Princess thing, which is obviously a huge problem, um, obviously was Border Force's problem. I mean, it... It came out that this was a border force decision. They fucked it up. And there's been a bit of an inquiry. There's been a lot of questioning about this, as, as of course there should be. And Dutton has actually said that any suggestion of wrongdoing by the Australian border force was completely wrong. And he would not allow officers to be besmirched by, <laughs> by giving evidence. They have refused <laughs> to allow their officers to be questioned or give evidence. Um, which is, yeah. And it's like, hang on, but if, if you guys didn't do anything wrong, there'd be no besmirching. Um, you've besmirched yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking ye old English author motherfucker. Just like, <laughs> even our fascists suck in this country. I'll say yeah, it again. I, I, Bolsonaro I, 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 I does push ups in say front of let's soldiers. Let's not start casting aspersions on people who use $5 words, okay? <laughs> <laughs> You're a yeah. philosophy PhD, Mitch. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> McLean, McLean. Indubitably speaking, yes, but we shouldn't use it. No, but just the idea that he wants to pr- project toughness and mm. then he would, but also, no questions will be asked and no evidence will be given otherwise or be besmirching the honour. It's the exact same fucking thing that Greg Hunt did, talking about well, exactly. like, oh, you, you can't talk about the aged care facilities because my dad, my dad was in an aged care facility. Absolutely fuck you. People's dads are dying day yeah. in and day out because of your fucking bullshit. You can answer some goddamn fucking questions and fucking <laughs> Peter Dutton, potato head, Voldemort, <laughs> weird looking, just toothy motherfucker can answer some questions about border protection the thing that gets me about that is that they're all too happy to answer questions when they are softballs from journalists yeah. that they can project power with. When they're talking about like how, you know, how strong are you on borders? We're very strong. And then it's like, oh, well, what happened to this one instance? Oh, oh you can't ask that. Mitch, it's it's actually really ironic then that like Australians were cackling about that Jonathan Swan interview of Trump where he'd like do like basic follow-up questions. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, man, look at this this journalist coming from Australia, like, you know, doing us proud. It's like, well, you, none of you asked basic follow-up yeah. questions. What are you talking about? Here's the thing. This is – it is just fascism. When your ruling sort of body is, is immune to questions and basically not answerable to anybody, um, the government shouldn't have the option of going, mm, we just don't want to answer that question. That's in the public interest. Sorry. They yeah, shouldn't it's... have that call. They should be thrown in jail, effectively, if they say, don't want to answer that. Nah, 
It's the weirdest, like, accidental soft serve ice cream fascism to just, like, journalists accidentally, like, bumble their way ass first into fascism because it's like, I'm not going to answer questions about that. This is how fascism always happens. (laughs) You vote your way into fascism. You can't vote it out again. So... I don't know, Lang. We, we, the, the, the main thing is we don't want to besmirch the honour of the Border Force agents, every single one of whom is a Nazi jackboot piece of shit, lowest scum of the earth. I'm comfortable to say they're off-brand Gestapo. <laughs> the University of Melbourne is now paying back millions of wages that they literally stole from their workers. It's good This is a big win for the NTEU, which is one of my unions. Essentially, they were skimming off the top of workers' wages, especially casuals, if you can imagine it. And what ended up happening was the workers at University of Melbourne unionised and went, fucking knock it off and pay us back. And the University of Melbourne went, (laughs) oh, what if we just don't? And they went... Well, we're actually going to organise properly. We're going to strike. We're going to take you to court. And they went, okay, 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 okay. it's all good, it's all good, it's all good, it's all good. And they're going to pay them back millions of dollars. Love to see it. Good. This this, this is a, a wage theft that's been going on for over a decade, yep. which is phenomenal. That's so much wage theft. These are the same jerks that keep trying to ask me to donate. <laughs> I mean, arguably, it's still going on anyway with the way they've casualized um, lecturers. Mm. Oh god, yeah, yeah. Oh, like all sure. of the the horrible thing about our good news uh, week this week is that every one of these stories comes with a huge big asterisk. The difference this week is that we're not really going to mention the asterisk, which is like also things are real fucked for the university <laughs> sector. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to um, Shan Winscript, uh, history tutor at Melbourne uh, University of Melbourne. She was instrumental in leading the charge in August organizing all the staff, getting things together, reaching out to the um, to the NTEU. We mentioned before as well, that union can sometimes drag their fucking feet on things they really shouldn't. And so she was a she played a big part in whipping that up and making sure they fucking did their job. Um, and they did. It's fantastic. Hell yeah. Mm. So more good news uh, uh, from unions is the Woolworths Wyong workers who were striking. <laughs> Woolworths Wyong workers, yeah. Uh, did a walkout. Was... The, the Woolworths Wyong workers that did a walkout. Well, they they won they won their wages uh, with their walkout. Their <laughs> oh, they fucking did. The Woolworths Wyong workers won their wages with a walkout. That's fucking yeah. sick. <laughs> <laughs> they won it. They did it. They yeah. did it. Fuck yeah. They were being underpaid. They were being asked to work uh, in a, in conditions which were risky um, and they were not being paid as much as the equivalent workers in like a different department or something. It's like, yeah, people doing the same thing in a different location. Yeah, they won a shitload of really good. They basically just got everything they wanted uh, from what I understand or a huge amount of things. Yeah, they um, got double the pay rise that, that was originally offered that they were striking against. Uh, they got a bunch of guarantees against the casualization of their workforce. And yeah, we'll, we'll put a link to the details in the show notes, but just this, this huge win for the, yeah. for the Woolworths Wyoming workers. Massive, massive congratulations to them. If you're a, a worker in one of these situations, like a, a distribution facility or a factory or something, right now you are even more essential than ever, which means you have more power than ever. If if your staff in a Woolworths distribution centre threaten to go off the job, Woolworths is fucked. They and would happily pay way more than they're currently paying you to keep you doing your job because getting in new workers right now is so hard. So, yeah, absolutely good on these guys. If you're in this situation, um, you should contact... Well, you can contact the ACTU's helpline to find out what union you're in. But if you're in this particular situation, it's very likely that you're um, uh, you're allied with the United Workers Union, and you should definitely get in touch with them or Godfrey Mose, who's the head of the union, um, and uh, see what you can do to organise in your own workplace. And shout out to them; they're actually huge wins this week. It just shows that you know strikes get results, and those results are good for workers. Um, speaking of, uh, another bunch of workers have walked off from the uh, Woolworths Liquor Distribution Centre in uh, Melbourne's West after a uh, worker tested positive to COVID-19 and Woolworths did nothing about it. Yeah, they kept the place open for at least another day. Fuck um, me. Just, just think, they just don't learn. Ooh. They just don't learn. 
That is, that is the thing, isn't it? Who would have who would have thought that the company that owns the largest amount of pokey machines in the country or uh. something like that are willing to gamble on things like a fucking pandemic and workers' uh. rights you and health? Know that the house always wins. <laughs> yeah, there's no gamble in owning pokey machines. But um, so I mean, there's not really much to talk about there except um, obviously solidarity with the workers. Uh, who have walked off this Woolworths job site as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fucking right. Fight for what you are owed. And th- this is the other thing as well. Don't listen to any of the media reports that will try to position these people as, you know, greedy workers that just want something for nothing. Blah, blah, blah. You never see workers striking for exorbitant fucking claims, you know, until no. the revolution comes. But you <laughs> will only ever see them being like, hey, can I just get by? Is that okay mm. if I can just have some fucking dignity? A living if I can, wage. Can I get food and rent out of this pay? Is that cool? Oh, we're in a pandemic. Can I like not get sick? Is that yep. cool? So, yeah, good. Yeah. 100%. I mean, that's my, my whole bugbear about this is like, we don't talk about it in these terms, but these are literally the terms is Woolworths here trying to stay open, even though they know there's a positive case in the thing, because they don't want to take a hit to profits. Because th- this is the terms that we're not speaking in. They are spreading the pandemic to make money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it's They're straight up what's people. happening. If if uh, if I accepted a, just a, a like you know a, a bag full of cash to 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 drop a vial of coronavirus in a, in a populated location, you would be like, "Holy <laughs> shit, McLean, that's you know bioterrorism." What's the fucking difference? I'm accepting money to spread the virus. I'm I'm, I'm making a profit the, the, to increase R. Hmm. That's exactly what Woolworths is doing, and to 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 portray the the workers as, as anything but like. Noble heroes taking down a terrorist <laughs> is ridiculous. The difference between bioterrorism and pandemic economic stimulus is how much you donate to the government. All right, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, <clears throat> next one. Well, the, the next one is, is just even more That's of the fucking same. same. It's Good News Week. So, you remember the, the spotless uh, laundry services uh, who uh, were in infection risk and the, the employees uh, were, were getting absolutely fucked around? Uh, well, they got shut down uh, for, for exactly that. The, 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 all the workers got to go home. All the workers are getting paid throughout the shutdown now. So, mm-hmm. congratulations and solidarity to those workers as well. Huzzah. So fucking yeah. good. So These workers are, are responsible for saving lives actively by shutting this joint down because the executives running the do- joint didn't want to shut it down. Those executives, their pay should be going to the workers because clearly the workers are doing their jobs for them. Yeah, I mean, this is the point that um, Godfrey Mose, the director of the United Workers Union, uh, said. He, the quote here is, um, this outbreak could have been much worse. Spotless Dandenong workers are low-wage migrant workers who have acted together and swiftly, and they acted in the interests of the entire community and should be congratulated for their service. And oh, 100% so of that. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you to the spotless workers who refused to exacerbate mm. the conditions of the pandemic. I'm glad mm-hmm. that Godfrey Moe specifically said that so many of these people are underpaid migrant workers who mm. are in like the worst possible conditions already and now have that added danger on top of it. Because I feel like uh, without beating uh, the horse, like I feel like that's something that gets missed in a lot of like comms when it comes to the ACTU, that so many of these people are already here under precarious conditions and are not being yeah. looked after and now have been forced to unionise under even worse circumstances. So, I mean, yeah, that's the thing that gets me very fucking riled up in a positive way. Like, I just get that, like, you know, that that burning excitement in my chest to see workers mm. unite together under the very unfortunate acronym of AW, uh, UWU, hey, <laughs> which I, I only that. noticed today. <laughs> the the UWU. <laughs> I just, I read it as like, UWU, executive director. I'm like, oh, that's I bad practice, this. Mitch. Don't point it out. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that these are fucking migrant workers and they worked together and and then the United Workers Union can have their back as well. It's fucking reifying. This is exciting. Yeah. This is really fucking good. It yeah. just makes me feel good in a way, isn't that? Like, you know, they're often let down by neoliberalism generally, um, but they have the power to claim it back for themselves. Yeah. And to get yeah. the workplace, you know, the, the dignity that they deserve. In the last bit of strike news. Oh, uh, it's our it's our favourite organization in the entire fucking world at it again in australia the australian unemployed workers union is also going on strike 
And you might be just like some Twitter moron who's like, oh, unemployed people, how are they going on strike? <laughs> well, they fucking are, and it's real. They're going, they're, they're, they've led a strike against mutual obligations. So if you're on the dole in this country, you are often subjected to what's called mutual obligations, which is sort of a euphemism where you have to sort of go through some horrible suffering motions to sort of submit resumes to jobs that aren't hiring and, 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 you know, like go to how to look for work classes, even though you've been doing it for frigging years. The most amazing one of those that I saw, like in terms of applying for jobs, you know, they're getting hundreds of applications. They, they posted a picture of a job at a Boost Juice Bar and it had gotten like something like 1,300 applications. That's mm. the kind of job market we're talking about at the moment. For an like- entry level, shitty, casual job. Yeah. And the idea is the mutual obligation is like, you'll fulfill your obligation of just doing this sort of like pointless busy work. And and we will get you into work. And that's our obligation to you. Except that it, it's totally ineffective. No. These, these job providing companies can't make employment exist when there is, you know, 1,800 applicants for every one job. Like, what is a, and what is if, a resume tips class going to do? Even if there were jobs available, these agencies don't actually help people get them. Um, I've mm. been to some of these. I'm sure you guys have as well. Yeah. They, they don't know. There's hundreds of stories, and um, again, on the AUW Twitter, just from people, you know, talking about their experiences with Serena Russo and Max Employment, and just the horror stories. Again, like as you said, Tom, which we've all been through ourselves, and know for you know to, for it to be true, where they either they don't help you at all in terms of writing your resume, or once you do but- get a job by yourself. Uh, they'll give you a call and say, hey, Ooh. so where's this place that you got a job with? That's, and mm. we need you to come in and sign this form so we can claim some money off you so that we can mm. say we helped you yeah. get that job. That's the worst one. That has that has happened to me a few years ago. I was um, collecting welfare, didn't have a job, was going into these places and they were fucking useless. They exist. Mm. They're just, they're money laundering for the the, the, gov- the, the Liberal Party. They're not even laundering. They the, just the liberal, suck money. The Liberal Party- <laughs> is a criminal organization and it is packed full of criminals. We know that for a fact. And (laughs) one of the ways that they launder taxpayer money back into their own pockets and the pockets of their friends who are also probably criminals like Serena Russo is by setting up these job agencies where they just go, look, have a revolving door of unemployed people just come in, tap away at a computer for a little bit and then leave and we'll give you some money for it. And even like at a very sort of vague basic conception i can see how that like can stand up to legal scrutiny at least that is that's sufficiently legal for a like for a company to sort of do but even then they not only do not help people get jobs but usually you get a job by yourself anyway Mm. and then they have the fucking audacity to call up and be like well you you were with us and so what we need to do is claim that because every time you get a job, they get money from the fucking government as if they had a fucking hand in doing it. And they absolutely do not ever. Yep. So good on the AUWU for leading a fucking strike on that bullshit. 100% solidarity with that. So the current situation is that uh, mutual obligations have been suspended because of the pandemic. And a lot of job agencies are still trying to get their you know, air quotes clients to... Uh, still participate in mutual obligations. And that's what the AUWU is leading this strike against, is like figuring out what the bare minimum stuff that you are obligated to do to receive the dole and do only that. And so they're providing information to, to all the people who are getting in touch saying like, here is exactly what you want to do here is stuff that you don't have to do and you can't be made to do. So they're not putting anybody at risk of being kicked off the dole. They're just making sure that people know their rights, which I mean, like that's, it's such a crazy sort of situation where job service agencies are so abusing their quote unquote clients to the point where just sort of refusing to be bullied by them into doing stuff that you absolutely don't have to do at all is still called a strike, but that's absolutely what it is. Hmm. Yeah. These agencies are, they're actively lying to people saying that you have to do things that you don't have to do. Yeah. So Michaela Cash was also asked about the mutual obligation strike and her response w- made it pretty clear that she hadn't read any of the details of the strike or understood it at all. She said, the AUWU is calling for job seekers who are offered jobs to remain on income support, face financial penalties and deny themselves the opportunity of employment and income. Yeah. In a time of recession, you would think that the AUWU would be helping Australians find work rather than finding ways to avoid it. Like, 
Yeah. Do your homework, Michaelia Cash. You're the employment minister. Ah, How come look. you don't know the details of this, man? Oh, it's because you fucking suck. I forgot. Doing research <laughs> or knowing the truth uh, has never been terribly useful in that line of work. So, <laughs> yeah, I can see let's where she's not, not wasting not, her time. Let's not pretend that Cash has like a huge, big, long history dating back to her early 20s of being like a, a labor organizer or like she's got like a, like a, a PhD in business. Like p- p- politicians are given a portfolio based on absolutely nothing other than the prestige of the portfolio and what the people picking portfolios think of them. Like our leaders yeah. are fucking dog shit at being in a position that they're good at. Um, sometimes you get some like good crossover, like Angus Taylor has, you know, got family interests in making sure we're all on gas still. Yeah, he knows how to make money. (laughs) But yeah, so go to the um, AUWU website. There is a link in the show note directly to their list of um, essentially your rights, your obligations, resources to, you know, support the strike, um, who also to report job agencies to if you feel like you're being bullied or threatened. That's not something that a lot of people knew that they could do. You can absolutely 100% report a job agency for threatening to cut off your um, support, for bullying you into accepting work or going through dangerous conditions and stuff. And I you just, should definitely oh. report them if they try to steal, like get some money oh, off yeah. you for getting your job elsewhere too. I mean, I just imagine yeah. how the figures in this shit might change if it if we if job agencies have to report honestly how many jobs they've helped people get and how many they haven't. Because imagine if they stopped doing that and you just had like twenty thousand people a week going in and nine of them getting jobs and everyone else being like, "No, I found it myself." <laughs> like, just imagine, imagine if, if the just- many millions that are currently going to job agencies actually went to supporting people on welfare. Yeah. Like, what a bold idea! Crazy. Imagine if you just didn't have job agencies and said, oh, you want help writing a resume? Okay, you can do that. <laughs> the the last little bit that I'm going to put in before we just uh, jump on to the interview with Cam is uh, one final little tiny bit of good news, which is that the Alliance for Gambling Reforms statistics show that since the pokies shut down in March, uh, Victoria has uh, hit the milestone of $1 billion saved from going into pokey machines. So, hurrah! <laughs> Let's never open them up again. So joining myself and Evie now to talk all things conspiracy nonsense, he's one third of the podcast, The Hypothetical Institute, one half of the Gather Around Me podcast, and fully one whole of the Twitter account, Sexenheimer. (laughs) It's Cam Smith. Hey, nice to be here. Good to, it's good to have you here. Thanks, man. Um, so, for those listeners who may not know, uh, Cam Smith, <laughs> Sexenheimer, um, is kind of uh, I'm thinking Australian renowned in the um, the like the internet brain rot circles that I'm in as being like <laughs> the best aggregate on the website on on the internet for all things just terrible conspiracy theory sovereign citizen uh the bunnings karen um i think you had a part in sort of like bringing (laughs) bringing her to light (laughs) yeah i'm sorry (laughs) i I call cam like an internet anthropologist is my favorite term for your kind of specialty yeah i heard um i heard digital ethnographer the other day which i quite (laughs) like so that's pretty good a journal asked me to describe myself the other day, and I said, um, oh, independent researcher. And then I remembered, oh, wait, that's what Pete Evans describes himself as. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, horseshoe theory is real. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you. Well, I'm glad that you recognize that you and Pete Evans appears. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so then, like, how did you stumble into this as a, like, do you still think it's a hobby, or is this a little bit more for you now, or? Uh, so I guess my backstory, my origin yeah. story, <laughs> my my I guess my interest in conspiracy theories is sort of has two origins. About fifteen years ago, uh, there was a neo-Nazi group in Sydney that was postering around the place. They were postering in my friend's suburb. You know, Asians are taking student places. They're taking our water. All of this stuff. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, and we decided to. Uh, they they had this website. It was called the Patriotic Youth League, and they had this website which was, which was really fucking dumb. So we thought, <laughs> well, let's just make our own Patriotic Youth League website and just take the Mickey out of them. <laughs> so I wrote that, and we put it up, and they were it was like just dumb stuff. Like we had a policy where uh, we'd be splitting up all of the top deck Freddo frogs. 
So there would be, there'd be no race mixing. <laughs> and they got so furious about it. We got all these death threats. From the neo-Nazis? Yeah, if you can believe it. Death threats. <laughs> about splitting photo frogs. Yeah. <laughs> After that, I was I sort of kept on. Uh, we started a group called Fight Them Back, which sort of monitored the far-right movements in Australia and New Zealand, and that went on for a little while. Then I, um, I've been doing the radio show on 3CR with uh, Andy Fleming, Slack Bastard, for about 10 years now. So mm. sort of looking at conspiracy theories through that as well. But uh, about three years ago, this is the other origin story, you know, there was Burke Street, the Burke Street Massacre in Melbourne, which was really terrible. Yeah. But uh, just after that happened, because uh, that was a weird one, because we sort of watched it all unfold live, like I knew people who were there watching it. And just after that happened, there were these guys on YouTube who were like, nah, Burke Street never happened. Uh <laughs> Oh, wow. So we had our own false flag, guys. Yeah. But the, th- <gasps> the thing that really hooked me in, it was weird because there was this one false flag guy from Melbourne. His name's uh, PK or Peter Kirshner. And he was like a massive false flag guy on YouTube. Uh, Boston bombing never happened. You know, 9-11 obviously never happened. And then this thing happened in his backyard and he put this video up. He's like, oh, yeah, I heard about this thing in Melbourne today. Oh, it's probably bullshit, but I'm not going to look into it because 2020 is on. <laughs> And I was like, what? What are you talking about? You're not going to look into it. Wait, wait. He he said he wasn't going to look into it because the cricket was on. Yeah, the cricket was on. And it was like, <laughs> well, yeah, it's not just the cricket. It's 2020, so it's a it's a fast-paced game. So you can't really miss any of it. <laughs> but Fuck. There was just something about that that struck me as like so I, – I think also with everything that was like how bad it was, it was like so perversely oh, that's awful. like fascinating. Uh, he yeah. then ended up – uh, getting over that, and he became incredibly involved and like did horrible things, like fo- calling up the families of victims in the hospital because he didn't believe that they were real. Jesus! Uh, but was oh, just so like- this is like a like a Sandy Hook kind of situation. There. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which never happened according to him as well. But um, so we started the the hypothetical institute was started because of that because we started looking at these false flag guys and then looking into these other conspiracy theorists on YouTube, and then it's sort of gone from there. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Do you think that there is a critical mass of these types of people or is it seemingly ramping up worse than usual in the last couple of years? I think it's definitely, it's ramping up post-COVID. I think COVID has really, like, really put the foot down on the gas. Yeah. Uh, Like, this stuff was building up a bit. The QAnon thing has been bubbling along. Yeah. Uh, But it was just something about COVID. Did it? A few people have noticed that it's brought a lot of people together that wouldn't normally have had anything to do with each other. And then, I mean, QAnon's already this sort of omni-conspiracy that draws everything in around it, but then all these things, other things that might not have been drawn in so much get pulled in as well. So just as a, just as a quick thing to back up for just a second, because I, I have a fervent prayer that some of the people that listen to our podcast uh, are not yet fully cooked and based at the same time. But- <laughs> What what would you describe the QAnon conspiracy as to someone who's never heard of it before? All right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This, is, this is karmic punishment. I did this in an interview to someone else the other day. I was like, can, can you succinctly describe the QAnon phenomenon? I was like, now I'm paying the going to pay the piper. Um, all right. So Donald Trump won the presidency. Uh, he made a lot of promises and didn't follow through on any of them. Now, you might have felt a little bit foolish about that if you'd voted for him, but worry not, because actually behind the scenes he was secretly doing all of this good stuff that you didn't know about that the deep state and the liberal media wouldn't tell you about. So you're not an idiot for voting for Donald Trump. He's actually a secret superhero. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, basically QAnon, it's this idea that there's a secret person somewhere in the Trump administration, possibly even Donald Trump himself, who decided to jump on 4chan and 8chan and send coded (laughs) messages to his followers that uh, Donald Trump was uh, bringing down pedophile cabals that were run by the Democrats and and Hollywood and the media. And, uh, you know, Mueller was never investigating Trump. Actually, Trump and Mueller were working together to take down Hillary Clinton and Obama, et cetera, et cetera. So, do you have any sort of, like, unified theory as to what types of conspiracy theories get 
um, like get big, but then like what parts of the conspiracy get brought into it and assimilated into it and what parts get rejected? Is there any sort of pattern to it or is it really just genuinely dumb luck? I think it's sort of dumb luck. I also think there's an element that not a lot is getting rejected at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) The stuff that really seems to catch on with people quickly. So with COVID, the uh, QAnon thing's really taken off. And I think it's just the the child thing. It's like the the idea that children are being harmed is really breaks people's brains a bit. And so they Mm. get into that really quickly. You see some of them on their Facebooks, like they're watching these eight part documentaries about the deep state and they get to the fifth one, which is the one about the children. And that's when they really crack. I think it's just something about yeah. kids that sets people off. Yeah. Like any, any reasonable person would like generally feel that way. But if you, I guess if you center it on like really vulnerable people who are either bored at home or, you know, just liable to try and find a reason for the way they feel. Yeah. And I mean, people that are bored at home and everyone's yeah. got a lot of time to research. And also it is a, this is an incredibly stressful time. Like, yeah. so any sort of mental issue that you have in the background is being massively exacerbated by the situation we're all in. Yeah, Absolutely. there's 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 two different types of, like, especially the QAnon types, but all of these, like, forward-facing camera, low-angle or car, like, shouting videos, there's there's... There's the genuinely, like, troubling to watch ones where it's like, man, you just need help. This sucks. Like, this is not fun. This is just... Like, a problem with the internet we never foresaw was just, I'm going to see the deep, intimate problems of some strangers on the other side of the world. And this is, you know, this is more about a shitty healthcare system and a society that fails to look after the most vulnerable. But then there's also some people where it's like, fucking log off. Like, you were just bored. You were just... (laughs) No one should have that much time in a day to look at that many fucking Facebook posts and YouTube clips. This is just deranged now. You fucked it. If you're sort of into it for the dopamine rush from like a bunch of likes on Facebook, then that's yeah, you know, not really on. If you're getting that rush off people who don't know better, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think the 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 other one I wanted to sort of bring up with you because like we mentioned um the Bunnings Karen and a bit, but I wasn't expecting the sovereign citizen stuff to really take off through COVID. That that sort of came out of left field for me. Um, if you think about it, it makes sense, like especially with like the um, Shooter and Fishers parties and things like that, like, you know, people who get really up in arms about, you know, their right to have guns or their right to not follow certain, you know, policies and that sort of thing. Like it fits in quite nicely um, with uh, IPA sort of ideology. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to do it to you again, Cam. What is sovereign citizenry? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So essentially, uh, a sovereign citizen is a person who uh, doesn't feel, for one reason or another, that uh, any laws or some laws apply to them. And part of it is because they believe that when you are born, uh, your birth certificate is created and your name is put down in all capital letters, just like in a contract. <laughs> <laughs> And so that birth certificate is actually a, a contract between you and the state creating this fictional entity that has your name, which is what all of the laws and all of the fines and all of the bills apply to. And so if you realise this, you can then divorce yourself from that contract, sometimes through a series of paperwork that you file, uh, that you pay someone to help you with, <laughs> and then... You divorce yourself from the fictional entity or the dead entity and you are a living person, an actual human being, a sovereign citizen, you're you're your own sovereign. And so that person, all of those laws that would have applied to the, the name person don't apply to you because you're an actual person. You're not just a name on a piece of paper. And so, yeah, a lot of people tend to glom onto this, especially when they're in sort of dire financial straits. They find these people that say to them, actually, there's a way out of this. You don't need to pay those bills. You don't need to go bankrupt if you just do this. And of course, it never works. But yeah, it's definitely, it's really gotten into everything at the moment because somehow the anti-vaxxers got onto it. Uh, and the anti-5G people got oh, onto it. See, I love all these little intersections of all the groups. Yeah, so the, the anti-vaxxers, they want to, you know, they want a way to get out of being vaccinated. Yeah. You know, there's, there's not ever going to be mandatory vaccinations. Uh, but, yeah, they they want to, if there was a way they could file this special paperwork that would get, 
you know, so no jab, no play wouldn't apply to their kids. And so they could, you know, still have jobs in nursing homes or whatever without having their flu vax. (laughs) They want to do all of that. And then the 5G people are like, well, you know, there's really no way to avoid 5G. If it's in your suburb, you're going to be exposed to it, even though it's harmless. So they want to file all of this paperwork that says, you know, you can't put these towers up. And so... I don't know how, whether they have gone to the sovereign citizens or if the sovsits have gone to them, because there are these people in the sovereign citizen movement that, you know, make a bit of coin from selling the secrets. I think it's a bit of combined interests. Like, um, so I remember when I was following anti-vaxxers, I used to follow this page called Stop the Anti-Vaccination Network. Um, The AVN is what it was called at the time. Um, And it was led by this woman called Meryl Dory. Mm. Um, And... For quite a few years, she used to get a free ride in most of the major news outlets, basically talking about, you know, her rights to uh, for kids not to be vaccinated and for parents to refuse it. Um, but it actually, I remember it also changed a lot of dialogue in terms of talking about anti-vaxxers in the news. So um, they would stop actually reporting this woman's views. Um, but also, um, it was also the imagery of how vaccines are portrayed in the news. So a lot of the time, um, I remember that, um, whenever they talked about vaccines, they would have like a screaming baby with a needle (laughs) and they realized that that was actually, (laughs) yeah, they were scaring the shit out of parents. (laughs) So it actually, that actually ended up reforming a lot of the, like the way that the news reported on vaccines, but Thinking about that now. <laughs> they just they just face up to the kid to put the yeah. smile on it instead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just, but yeah, it's it's crazy thinking about it now that like you know so much of like you know allowing free reign to anti vaxxers in the media has actually led to so much of what's happening now because it's given enough people that fear or just like even just talking about it the platform. I thought it's interesting you were talking about Meryl Dory because I was like. Thinking, I, don't, I haven't seen that many people talking about vaccines causing autism. There's been a lot of people talking about them putting a microchip into the vaccine <laughs> for the mark of the beast. But it's like the the anti-vax people are like welcoming all of this extra support, but they're not really saying, oh, all right, guys, yeah, enough about the microchips. We need to talk about the serious issue of, you know, the vaccines <laughs> damaging the children because well- <laughs> like, they don't want to piss them off. But do you reckon it is like they're sort of going, well, we've got all this support here. Yeah, they're nutcases. Obviously, there's no microchips in the vaccines. It's just mercury. But we'll use them. Or do you think it's sort of like, oh, these vaccines are worse than I thought. There's also microchips. I think it's a little bit of it's also microchips, to be honest. Fuck. Yeah, they're just, that sucks. That fucking sucks. So, Cam, can you explain for our listeners what the microchip theory is? So, yeah, there's this idea that COVID is all a sham, it's a hoax, it's not a real thing, and the reason they have to tell us there's this virus is so they can eventually give us a vaccine. And the vaccine won't really be a vaccine, it'll be implanting us all with a microchip. Now, it depends on where you're coming from. Either the microchip is just to track everyone so everyone can be monitored 24-7, or mm-hmm. the microchip is going to be part of the mark of the beast, which mm. is the the biblical prophecy from the book of revelations <laughs> which is uh all required for the apocalypse to come about but basically uh, everyone is offered to be take the mark and you need it to do all your shopping etc cetera, etc cetera. <laughs> so in all these variants of like what the microchip is for bill gates is still responsible right yeah he's generally held up as the culprit <laughs> This is the thing. Why does Australia and Australian conspiracy theories suck? (laughs) (laughs) Like, we recently, a little while ago, had an an anti-lockdown, anti-COVID restriction protest in Melbourne, and it eventually just devolved into a couple of people from out of the city coalescing on parliament steps just chanting like, like, chanting for Bill Gates to be locked up and anti-5G stuff, and- I just don't understand why Australia can't get their own conspiracy theories. It's lame. It's like everything else, Mitch. Like we just rec- recycle everything else that comes from the US. Have yeah. you have you seen any like proper like rinky dink true blue Aussie conspiracy theories that have caught on? Oh, that have caught on? No, not really. I mean, there's <laughs> there's, there's a few people that are very convinced that there's a um, parliamentary suppression order uh, because half of the 
MPs in federal parliament are secretly pedophiles and they're all Freemasons. Yeah. But I mean, that's just. So that, so there's some truth to some of the conspiracy theories. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but this is the thing. Like, I've not seen any sort of like anyone really gain any traction saying like, oh, the Dutton or pair scandal. Well, that was, that was him bringing children over from overseas to put them in the tunnels and anything like that. It's all just like just quoting American law. And yeah. yelling about Bill Gates. It's like, man, fuck. Have some national pride. I'm not a nationalist at all, but fuck, come on, man. Raise your game. Well, I mean, there's not really any great pre-existing Australian conspiracy. Actually, <laughs> there's a, there's, there are some good ones. Like, Canberra's built supposedly in, uh, like, specific occult, uh, with, like, secret occult symbology in the layout of Canberra. And I would, if I was one of these guys, I would be all over that. But they're not. Yeah, I've never heard of that actually. So is it like it's like it's on ley lines or whatever? Oh, like Burley Griffin, that's his name, right? Yeah, like he Burley. was like a he he had an interest in occult stuff, and so he was like, it's <laughs> sort of like I think maybe it's not exactly how it's laid out, but his vision was that everything would sort of be lined up in certain ways for like right. maximum occult power. Why do you think? So many of this stuff comes from the right wing instead of the left wing. I know, like, there's some crossover with the anti-vax stuff, but it seems pretty firmly entrenched in the right wing. Um, I feel that the right wing tends to be a little bit more myopic about uh, finding the causes, the root causes to problems. Uh, they don't tend to even like this is even in the mainstream right wing. They don't tend to look beyond the surface a lot of the time. Uh, yeah. It's all about looking for that easy answer. Right. So it's like if there's no if there's no answer for something on the surface, just create more surface. Yeah. Well, generally the answer to any problem is, oh, it was capitalism. <laughs> yeah. <And> so, <laughs> that's not really a right wing. Uh, that's not something the right wing can accept. <laughs> um, so as a, um, as a piece of deep law about Australian politics, um, what do you reckon of the whole uh, Scott Morrison and Burned Spy connections to QAnon? Do you reckon there's a QAnon truther in our Prime Minister's ears at the moment? Well, I mean, I think that that's, yeah, that's definitely true. What's his name? Tim Stewart, who's like uh, very good friends with Scott Morrison. He's a QAnon guy. He's like, I think he, he was described as being like the biggest QAnon guy in Australia on Twitter. Yep. Yeah. Uh, definitely, if you look at some of the things that Morrison has said, like about the uh, the apology to uh, victims of clerical abuse, the way that he described them as victims of ritual abuse, yeah, is definitely suspect. Just like because <laughs> that's you know that's not a phrase that is used anywhere outside of this conspiracy theory that there is satanic ritual abuse happening. Uh, so I thought that was definitely indicative of the fact that Tim had gotten into his ear at least a little bit. And there's supposedly there's text messages from between Tim and this other cooker where Tim's saying, yeah, I, I was telling Scott about all of this. I don't yeah. mean, I don't think that uh, Scott Morrison has been Q-pilled. Uh, there's, <laughs> you know, there's that photo of Jenny Morrison apparently doing like the okay side. It's like, no, she's just holding onto something with her fingers. Uh, but the weird thing with, him being friends with this QAnon guy is that he's increasingly becoming involved in the conspiracies in a bad way where they're saying, you know, Scott Morrison, he's mates with this guy from Hillsong. Uh, so there's all this pedo stuff there. There's someone else is saying, oh, you know, Scott Morrison, you know, he's a pedophile and I was his victim. And so all of this stuff is coming together. Meanwhile, the poor guy who's the biggest QAnon guy in Australia is like, oh, this is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is this is the worst bit about trying to talk about these sort of things is we're talking about how like you know Scott Morrison used the term ritual in describing the abuse that the victims of of clerical uh, abuse suffered and, and he's got these pictures and, and there's other guys with this Twitter friend and there's these screen caps of these phones but I'm totally not like those QAnon people I'm totally running off something much more stable than that <laughs> but like like yeah like Scott Morrison has been accused by someone of um pet like he abused me when I was a child it's like that's fucked and then there's all the like evidence pointing roughly to Tony Blair being a part of like actual child abuse and it's like oh yeah him Scott Morrison nah but Tony Blair yes like well uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess here's a good point to um turn to the question like I don't know how much you guys have 
you know, acquaintances who have been cupilled or who have gotten into conspiracy theories and stuff. But I've got, you know, um, I wouldn't say like super close friends, but I've definitely got friends who have definitely bought into some of the conspiracy theory things, uh, starting actually with, weirdly enough, with the bushfires. That was when it really started. Like they really believed the whole green stopped um, the backburning, therefore they were responsible for the bushfires and it sort of spun out of control from there. And I'm having a difficult time sort of, trying to counteract that information that they're clearly absorbing while they're at home um, out of work at the moment and just reading Facebook all day. Um, so I wonder, I would like to know, um, Cam, how do you think we could possibly sort of counter this kind of misinformation? What's the next step from here? Because clearly a lot more people are starting to get into this stuff and maybe Facebook's making it a bit more difficult now for them to access it. But that doesn't solve the problem, I think, of people who are already deep down the well. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't think I have the answer to that. I don't know if anyone really does. I think it's so, at a certain point you can get so far into it that you really need sort of like cult deprogramming. Yeah, uh, like <laughs> before I've seen you like, can get out of it. There's like a subreddit which like a lot of like friends and family of Q pilled people have like set up. And they're like, so sad. Yeah, it's so it's, sad. It's insanely fucked up. Like, so many posts of like, my mum has been reading this stuff all day. She's really angry, or you know, my husband won't talk to us anymore. We've divorced, and he won't talk to his kids, and you know, all that kind of thing. And everyone just sort of trying to figure out, like, you know, how to deprogram their relatives. And admittedly, a lot more of this is probably happening in the US, and probably will have way more of an impact socially there, but. I can definitely see the same, like same things happening here, and you know, people trying to figure out how to reach out to their friends and family, and yeah, like it feels like it's cult deprogramming that you have to turn to. Well, I mean, the US doesn't have really much of a mental health care system. Oh well, yeah, here it's completely different. You've got you know ten appointments with a psychiatrist, so that's all fine. So we won't have any of those <laughs> problems. <laughs> yeah, it's. It's sort of weird because also once you get past a certain point, everything becomes part of the conspiracy, including anyone who tries yeah. to tell you that it's not a conspiracy. And I, at that point, it's sort of, it's no longer effective to like, just, you know, to just treat people with kindness or whatever. Like, I think that's part, when someone's early on, if you can just with kindness walk them through why things don't make sense, that's fine. At a certain point, nothing you do is going to make a difference. Well, yeah, it just it, it just reaches a certain point where <clears throat> every idea can be subsumed under the whole and almost like the, the a religious version of Satan tempting me. Whereas it's like, well, if there's any like counter information coming apart, well, that also fits into the whole. It's just yeah, you 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 haven't seen it. This is the thing as well. People talking about like you know that you you're not awake yet. You haven't seen the truth. I'm enlightened. I'm actually quite in charge of my reality, in control, I've thought everything through, so it is I who is stable and sane and not afraid. Um, I think, yeah, that's part of the issue. So how do you get through to the people that the whole concept of getting through to has already been established by the conspiracy theory? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Cam, help. Help. Well, this, this is the thing as well. Like, like Evie, you mentioned, like, the subreddit of the people that are, like, family of the QAnon, like, based people. But then there's a Reddit just next door where all these people are talking about, like, my daughters haven't talked to me in six months because they refuse to watch my 14-hour YouTube documentary. <laughs> and it's like, fuck, that's, that sucks. Yeah. It's sad. Um, so, that's a good note to end. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is really good. Thanks for coming on, man. Um, no worries. Hit us with all of your plugs. Where can everyone uh, check out more of your stuff? Uh, hypotheticalinstitute.com for that. Uh, gather around me on iTunes for that. I'm on 3CR, 4.30pm on Thursdays. And that's also a podcast at 3cr.org.au slash yeah-na-pasaran. And if you want to catch me spinning some tunes... Uh, I'm on uh, gippslandfm.org.au, Saturday nights from 11pm until 1. Awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Cam. Actions this week. More important than ever. Join your union. 
Join yeah. a union. If you're not sure what union to join, join a couple now and then figure out which ones to join. I would recommend <laughs> no, getting a that. monthly, a monthly recurring. ACT. No, hundred percent, hundred percent, do that. No, I, I, I suppose unless it's uh, unless it's the fucking shoppies one. Yeah, no. So <laughs> while you're looking for your union, swing a couple of bucks to the AUWU each month, and also I reckon the um, the United Workers Union as well. They're doing a lot of good stuff at the moment. The ASU are also good, but I, like. We are seeing this work right now. Workers get together in these instances and they go, we're walking off the job. And bosses go, no, you're not. And the second workers do, bosses go, oh, wait, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We'll fix things up. You you have never had more fucking power than you have right now. So 100% join a goddamn union. If not for yourself, for some other workers in your industry that you may never meet that need your help and support right now. Seriously, we are so close to some good shit. If you care about here. you and your coworkers, like you know, not dying, I think it's a great reason to join union. And even if you don't care about your coworkers dying, you still should join union anyway. <laughs> like, even if your coworkers suck, you still shouldn't want to see them die. Yeah, because think about other people's coworkers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go a step further and say every good thing that has ever happened in Australian society has been because of workers uniting. Yeah, I think that's yep. a reasonable call. Yeah, I'll co-sign that. Controversial, <laughs> controversial. <laughs> further steps from not good enough. With absolutely zero thought or research put into that. <laughs> um, shout out to uh, this week to our favourite brand new podcast, No Turning Back. Oh yeah, these guys. Yeah, are absolutely rad. Bunch of guys like us who got sick of this shit and started a podcast. Yeah, if yeah, you're like. I want to listen to this podcast, but again, uh, slightly later in the week and with different content and different people, but the same good vibes. Uh, check them out. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, they've it's, got their roots in the environmental activism movement, I believe. But yeah, yeah it's just a, a good time, good good politics, good listen, good stuff. Fucking good. Check them out. And keep following the truth. Do your own <laughs> research, people. Don't listen to anybody. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. We would love to hear from you and we would love you to spread the love and show us to a whole bunch of people you think might like us. So shoot us an email, notgoodpod at protonmail.com and find us on all the socials at notgoodpod. Not Good Enough was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded.